The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. It's time to think about long-term planning. And I'm not talking about the 401k that you've got or having kids. Maybe your parents are annoying you with that or... Finding the right retirement home, this, this would be the wrong podcast for that. This is a fantasy football podcast. I'm talking about Dynasty Leagues. And Heath Cummings has the rankings and trade chart done for Dynasty Fantasy Football. I am I am impressed. I am amazed. I have questions, Heath. I have been clamoring for months to have a Dynasty podcast. And I realized about 10 minutes ago that like this is not going to be what I was thinking it was going to be i realized that i am what do you think it was going to be I am you're the just going to take a little stroll down your rankings the rankings that's it. i am the person that has the tiers and the trade chart and so this is going to be here's what i disagree with heath about heath why do you think this <laughs> Heath, course. why do you think this yeah heath. and so it's it it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a fun time but you know what it gives us all food for thought and it's much appreciated and by the way patrick mahomes in the top 10 uh, there we go. Heath, I'm why do you the think that? Heath, why is Patrick Mahomes <laughs> in your top ten? There, there's a lot of that coming, Heath. We are definitely going to crawl into your brain. So thank you for subscribing. Thank you for downloading. I'm Dave Richard. That's Heath Cummings. We've got podcast producer extraordinaire Ben Schrager here. And we've got the, the signal stealer himself, Ben Gretsch. He's chiming in from his crib up in the Pacific Northwest. But guys, I want to start with this question because we're going to talk about Dynasty a lot. And we'll get to the news coming out of the Combine, too. If, if you were to build a dynasty roster from the ground up, so we're going to do a startup dynasty draft, I know that the number one thing you're going to look for from players is obvious long-term upside because you're taking players for the dynasty league. You're taking players. They're going to be on your team forever until you decide to let them go. That's what a dynasty league is. What's the second quality that you're looking for on draft day from players? Because they, the long-term upside guys, they're going to be gone rather quickly. I Dragger, think it's, go for it. It's guys who can be top 12 in their position over the next three years, and I can draft them at a value. So it's kind of the flip side. They're not long-term upside guys, but they can turn my team into a win now. Let's win a championship within the next three years, if you could get them at a good bargain price. Yeah, long-term upside was definitely a major factor in putting together the trade chart and the rankings and all of that. Um, it For me, and I think Ben Gretsch may disagree with this, but for me was still secondary to 2020 expectations interesting because i i think that can especially in a startup get undervalued people can Huge. go after all of the rookies and all of the guys that haven't and i and i understand that like you want those guys but almost everything we're looking at in terms of what's their risk well what's their risk of not producing what we expect 
what's their upside in terms of what we expect? Like it all starts with what their 2020 expectation is. And we have a lot better chance. We're, we're probably going to be bad at guessing how many fantasy points a given player scores in 2020. We're going to be a lot worse at guessing how many fantasy points he scores in 2022. Gretch reaction. Yeah, I mean, he, he's right. I, I have a little bit of a different opinion. I love the intro, too, because I was already thinking I was going to say from the beginning, like, I know he's been working really hard on this stuff. We've talked a lot about his process, or at least a little bit. I Like, he's he, I think, has done this as well as you can do it, and it's just one of those processes that even if you do it as well as you can do it, there's going to be a lot of spots where we can sit here and say, this is wrong, or, or I disagree with that. So that's going to be a lot of fun throughout this episode. But um, I, I do disagree with... Um, like I, I agree with the concept that 2020 production or projections are probably undervalued in dynasty startups. But the next most important thing but beyond those obvious long-term upside players, for me, is just the ability to retain value, or uh, which I, I would think of as different than upside. And a big part of that is age. If you have younger players, even if they don't produce, they're going to retain value. Uh, like look at Corey Davis, for example. That guy has been a top hundred dynasty startup guy every season of his career even though he's never really actually broken out so you can take these picks and if they don't work out you still have people that are willing to trade for them the the flip side is like if you were to have taken like a david johnson in the first round last year you're no one's going to trade for david johnson at this point at any price like you probably can't even get uh, a late round rookie draft pick for him because uh Older players don't have that ability to retain value. So I actually go the opposite way. I do understand Schrager and his perspective. I think that's that's one way to play it, like go for a championship early. But I want guys that I think are going to retain value and help me build long term. I think you can definitely have a mix of that when you do your draft, too, and, and go ahead and target those long term players first. But, man, when, when you can get veterans that can help you out right away at a great value in your draft, two, three rounds later than you think they should go. Man, it's awesome. Your team's going to be great, and you'll have a good, good, a good young nucleus long term, and a couple of veterans to help you along the way right away. And an example of what Ben was just talking about: um, I'm in a startup auction right now, and I'm probably going to reference this a couple of times. I'm going to write something about it because it's a crazy, crazy auction. But there, we're very early in the process. Two running backs that have gone off the board, though: Justice Hill and David Johnson. Justice Hill did nothing and wasn't as good as Gus Edwards last year. Like they played Gus out Edwards over Hill for most sure. of the season. Yep. Hill went for five dollars more than David Johnson. Oh my god. And that like wow. I think I think it's crazy. That's in some leagues the difference might even be bigger. But yes, there's definitely a lot of perceived value in age. Yeah, no one wants the old crappy guy. And it doesn't really matter if we're talking about fantasy football or anything. No one no one really wants to deal deal with that. But I'd give a very late rookie pick for David Johnson. I mean, what the heck? I, just in case at some point in the next two years, he does get it going again. I would do something like that. And I know that there are dynasty questions that are out there. We're going to answer some on today's podcast. Some were sent in via Apple podcast reviews. Some sent in on Twitter, hashtag ask FFT. But before we get into the dynasty, let's talk about what's happening with Tom Brady, because Brady news has started to come up at the combine. Uh, ESPN's Jeff Darlington, quote, would be stunned if Brady went back to New England. That's that's kind of that's that's heavy, Doc. Brady out of New England could be going somewhere else. Uh, the Boston Globe reported that uh, the Patriots are just waiting to see what the CBA will be like before Brady, before they make a call on Brady. Uh, the Athletics' Vic Tefer says that the strong buzz in India is that Tom Brady won't return to New England. So 
there's a real chance that the GOAT could be on the move. And uh, I don't know if it even matters where he plays. I don't think fantasy managers are going to give him, certainly not in a dynasty league, but in, 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 a, in a seasonal league, I don't know if he'll even get picked. If he was on the Chargers, that would be the one place. Because you go to the Chargers, you might throw the ball 600 times, and you've got Keenan Allen to play the Julian Edelman role, and he's better than Julian Edelman. And you've got Mike Williams on the outside, which is better than what he would had. Would he be a top? 15 quarterback for you if he went to the Chargers the Chargers I would say yes anywhere else that's available I would say probably no I do have some kind of trolley like dreams about this situation one is that I hope that the Bengals or the Bengals yes trade Andy Dalton and AJ Green to the Patriots because they don't like they both of those guys don't (laughs) want to be on their team and I want AJ Green you got to take Dalton they've been I, there are some some whispers around the league that Belichick has always kind of secretly been an Andy Dalton guy, and he's coachable. Those two and he guys can follow a game plan. Have so, yeah. Always been in this terrible franchise, and I'd love to see them get to go play with Belichick. My other one is because there's been a lot of talk this morning, at least on Twitter, about how the Titans might be one of the most likely spots mm-hmm. because of Brady's relationship with their head coach, and I would love it if it turns out Belichick's just choosing Ryan Tannehill. And so Brady goes to Tennessee and the Patriots sign Tannehill. That would be fantastic as well. They would have to sign somebody or acquire someone to come in and take over. This would be really interesting times in New England, Schrager. Oh, definitely. And the New England offense is going to be so bad for fantasy unless they get some sort of upgraded quarterback because Nikhil Harry did nothing last year and he wasn't even that promising in his couple of times on the field. So I don't really know what to do with the weapons. James White is going to be a downgrade if there's no Brady dumping the ball off 12 times to a running back. So I'm kind of scared of this New England offense for fantasy. Brave new world. And I think it'll hurt Edelman's stock too if they've got a quarterback that starts to throw downfield more than than Brady did or could last year. It's something we're going to keep track of. Obviously, we podcast all the time, but it's not the only podcast that you can download and listen to or in the case of YouTube, watch for free on YouTube. You can watch us there, but it is officially NFL draft season and we've got the pick six NFL podcast. Those guys are in Indianapolis right now for NFL combine coverage. NFL draft expert Ryan Wilson is on hand. He will be joined by experts who have covered the combine through its evolution, including Brady Quinn, who participated in the combine 2007, including Pete Prisco, who's never done the actual combine, but he's been to Indianapolis a zillion times. He knows what he's doing. Lots of really smart voices on the Pick 6 podcast. They will continue to bring you daily NFL coverage throughout the offseason. You can download and subscribe to the Pick 6 podcast anywhere you find this one. I think it'll help you be a smarter sports fan when it comes to the NFL draft. And the draft it's about two months away, basically. Today is uh, February 27th when we're recording this. So the draft is going to be going on two months from today. It might be done two months from today. I don't know the exact dates. Do you guys know? It'll be one day done. One One day done? done. We will be very busy people here at CBS Sports when it is all done. All right. We go from Tom Brady to the other goat, Heath Cummings. It's Dynasty 150 rankings time. I don't even know. I I guess we start at the top, right? The top 12 players that that are available in the rankings, it starts with Christian McCaffrey. I think it's a consensus, right, Gretch, that if, we, if we've got the number one overall pick in a dynasty draft, it's going to be McCaffrey. Who, who would be second for you after that, unless you wouldn't take McCaffrey first? It would be McCaffrey and Barkley, and I think yeah. we could just move on. Like I think that's pretty sure. clear. McCaffrey, Barkley, Michael Thomas is third for Heath, Kamara fourth, George Kittle fifth. That's going to be interesting. Let's, we'll go back to that in a second. Uh, Devonta Adams, sixth. Ezekiel Elliott, seventh. Chris Godwin, eighth. 
Dalvin Cook ninth, unless that's Jared Cook. That's not Jared Cook. No, you're not going to take Jared Cook. No, a little too soon for Jared Cook in round one. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes tenth, like uh, like we said earlier. Tyreek Hill eleventh. Nick Chubb twelfth. So again, uh, McCaffrey, Barkley, Michael Thomas, Kamara, Kittle, Devontae Adams, Ezekiel Elliott, Chris Godwin, Dalvin, not Jared Cook, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Nick Chubb, six running backs, four wide receivers, one tight end, one quarterback. Kittle at five, huh? Yeah, and this is one of the things going through this process. Kittle and Kelsey, as far as a 2020 projection, are pretty like about 10% better than anyone, uh, head and shoulders above the field. The other thing about it, though, is Kittle's also younger than most of the tight ends that we feel confident are going to give us number one production in 2020. I mean, Mark Andrews would be the definite exception. Hunter Henry and Austin Hooper, you could make an argument for them as well, but they're probably 20% worse than Kittle. Maybe even worse. So you're looking at a 26-year-old tight end. Kelsey's 30. Ertz is 29. He has huge upside. I don't think, like, we've probably seen the best yardage total from Kittle because of uh, outlandish stuff after the catch, but we haven't seen the best touchdown season from Kittle for sure. I don't think we've seen his best fantasy season necessarily. Five more years of elite tight end production at that position? Yeah, I think he's worth a first-round pick. And it's hard to see a lot of other tight ends being as good as him over the next five years to where it would be like a brutal mistake. Like, I don't see him trailing off and turning into Jared Cook. I, no. I think he's going to play at the high level for five years, just like you're saying. And I don't know how many more tight ends are going to come along. Like, I don't think Noah Fant can get to that level. I don't think TJ Hawkinson can get to that level. But the one guy that I struggle with is Ezekiel Elliott versus George Kittle. So, Schrager, if it's if it's down to Kittle or Zeke, who are you taking? I'm going Zeke, and I understand the Kittle edge over the tight end position, but I think Zeke has every single year top three upside, number one running back upside. Now with McCaffrey, maybe not number one, but at the end of the day, Zeke could give you an edge 10 20% better than the majority of running back twos. And if that's who you're comparing him to, then he's going to have a huge edge. So Kittle, for me, is head and shoulders above the tight end position, but I'll still lean Zeke. But what do we think of Zeke having 300-plus touches first three or four seasons? I How mean, many more years can Zeke produce? I think he can still give you th- minimum four more years. Now, he's, he's 25 years old. He can get to that 29-year mark, and, and then after that, I don't know. Don't know what he could do, but he, he's just been so productive that I, I love having him plug him into my lineup, don't have to think twice about anything with him. And we can say the same thing about Kittle. But I, but I think that Ezekiel Elliott definitely has that kind of potential. But what about Dalvin Cook? Ben Gretsch, what about Dalvin Cook? Would you take Cook ahead of Kittle? Do you think Kittle – do you think it's just right that Kittle's at five, or do you think he belongs later in round one, Ben? I would take all of these guys probably towards the back end of the first round, and I would be taking guys like DJ Moore in, with the fifth pick because that's just how I would play Dynasty. And I, and I think it's going to be different for different people – um, and that's what I said, like, like when you think about the way that Heath went through this process, I think he did it an absolutely correct way. But at the same time, if you change small assumptions, like how you value future production, you would come away with a, a, a lot different ranking system. And so I, I don't think there really is a specific correct way to do it. But um, like to, to Schrager's point about Ezekiel Elliott, how many carries he's had. And to your point about us getting three or four more seasons from him, we would have thought that from David Johnson uh, a couple of years ago, and from Le'Veon Bell. We definitely would have thought it from from Todd Gurley after his huge season when he was one of the top probably three or five overall dynasty picks 
These are guys that have lost a ton of value over the last couple of years, and they were the elite backs just two or three seasons ago. If you look at the elite receivers two or three seasons ago, the majority of them are still there, and especially the young elite receivers are still around. Like Amari Cooper's a guy that three or four years ago I took in the top five. At least he's still around. You know, He hasn't been as great as I thought he would be, but you don't lose all that value at the receiver position. So players like DJ Moore and players like AJ Brown that I know and I feel very confident are going to have long and good careers and they're still so young that I can feel very confident about 2021 and 2022 and 2023 those are guys I would have in the top 10 yeah and and like looking at it from the numbers perspective of what I did Zeke and Delvin Cook if before I adjusted for position were both ahead of Kittle so the position adjustment was what changed that. Moore and Kittle were very close. Now, I do think Moore versus Kittle is interesting, and it probably gets more into how long into the future are you looking. I have a hard time looking much more than four or five years because we probably don't know anything four or five years from now anyway. And I don't think Kittle's value is really going to change in the next three to four years, other than the fact that three to four years from now, you don't project him to be good three to four years from now. But I think he's going to continue to be like he has given us elite production already at his position twice. DJ Moore was very, very good, and I like him a lot, and he probably continues to get better. But I think he's riskier than Kittle because we don't know for sure what his quarterback situation is going to be like. And I don't know that he necessarily has a lot more upside than Kittle relative to his position. So like, I I like more a lot. The positional thing, I probably factored more than it sounds like you guys would have. You know, the mistake I made when I did our... I'm in the Dynasty League with, with you, Heath. And, and the, the mistake that I made in that league was not going after receivers early. So what Ben is saying to me resonates because I when I when I did that draft I took a lot of running backs and I took Kittle early in that draft and really I, I went with the older guys at receiver and I'm paying for it like I got really lucky with Terry McLaurin in that draft and uh, uh, he's basically my number one receiver now and that's kind of pathetic to have in a dynasty league with a bunch of guys I, who I know don't what think they're doing so he's my number 13 receiver but to be the number one guy maybe maybe I got really lucky to get him in round three last year in the rookie draft fist pump all right Patrick Mahomes is number 10 overall and I want to start to getting into the quarterbacks a little bit more. And I get why. And I, I think I'm going to agree with you on this one, Heath, that he deserves to be a first-round pick in Dynasty because I just think that he's super safe for, we're talking four or five years for Kittle and Zeke. How many years are you thinking that Mahomes can be good for? Right. And I really just look at it like, again, probably four to five years. He could absolutely be like the most valuable player in fantasy over the next decade. In fact, he probably is the most likely player to be the most valuable player in fantasy over the next decade. And you said super safe, and that's a word that Gretsch cringes at, I think. Yeah. But the the difference with Mahomes, and, and I don't think Ben will disagree with this, He's super safe and also has the ability to win you your league in a given given year. He has enormous upside, especially in these di- rankings were all factored on six-point per-pass touchdown leagues. His upside, obviously, even greater in those types of leagues. So he is the a very rare combination of a quarterback who is under 25 years old, has already shown us the ability to win you your league, and like everything around him is just perfect. There's not anything that you would change other than maybe you wish he hadn't dislocated his kneecap on a quarterback sneak. Right, which was as fluky as right. fluky can get. Yeah, I mean, in redraft, you're waiting on quarterbacks, waiting on quarterbacks. Oh, no way you're taking a first-round quarterback. In Dynasty, with Mahomes not being a running quarterback where you think, oh, maybe he could be out of the league in two years, and also having weekly upside that 
is probably QB1 every single week. He's a safe upside pick, if that makes any sense. I, it makes sense. I get what you're saying. And I, I also think that in a dynasty league, if you've got your quarterback locked up for five-plus years, it, it's different than a redraft. You've got years and years to go and build the team around him. Whereas in a redraft, you don't have that type of time. That's why Mahomes and Lamar Jackson aren't good first-round picks in seasonal leagues because you're going to miss out on really good players that you need to start winning now. You can't wait. So I think if you're going to take a patient approach anyway in a dynasty league and you're playing more of the long game and you're not trying to win right in 2020, you're okay with waiting until 21, 22, 23, you can consider Mahomes with a first-round pick. A lot, and Ben Schrager asked me this morning something about, like, do you prefer to focus on youth or right now? And I think the great thing about having Patrick Mahomes is that you don't have to make that choice in the first round. He is both an excellent choice for winning in 2020, and an, and if you get to the second or third round and like nobody's taking young players, and you want to, you decide, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna punt year one, and I want to win in the future. He's also an excellent choice for that because he's still going to be awesome three three years from now. Ben Gretchen, go ahead, Ben. There's no player in the league that you could say confidently, no. Zero player at any position that you could say confidently is going to be a key fantasy contributor in 2025 or 2027 more than Mahomes. Like it's it's very, very clear that this guy is going to be very good for a number of years. And I think it's very possible that in 2025, we look back and say 2019 was the only kind of down season that he's had to start his career and what was otherwise a historic start to a career because he was banged up in 2019 and what we saw him then go on and do in the playoffs looked a lot like 2018 and there's a re very real chance this guy goes out and, and has one of the all-time great statistical careers like Heath was saying so yeah I think he's very much a, a very safe pick I think where you get into some risk is where okay you say yeah he's the only guy we can project out to 2025 or 2024 or 2026 or whatever it is but just because we can't project any of the other quarterbacks comfortably into that range doesn't mean that there's not going to be other quarterbacks available especially in single quarterback leagues they're still a replaceable asset. There's still going to be new guys. Like the way that Ryan Tannehill came out of absolutely nowhere. This guy had no dynasty value in single quarterback leagues except the very deep ones going into last year. And now this year he looks like a, a pretty reasonable value. I mean these guys are going to crop up every single season. So it is still going to be a replaceable position. I, I don't disagree with Heath that he's a very safe move and a very safe play and somebody that you're going to have be a, a – you know, a huge piece of your puzzle for the rest of your career. The, the person I take more issue with, with and this kind of goes back to our bust conversation yesterday where I said the QB3 might be the biggest bust in, at quarterback this year because he'll get pulled up. You have Deshaun Watson at 14th, and I wonder if he's getting pulled up by having Mahomes in the, in the top 12 because I think you can make that case about Mahomes. I'm not sure you can make that case about Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I don't. I guess there is more injury risk for Deshaun Watson, but I really think it's understated if you just take the running out of the equation. When we talk about these running quarterbacks and it's like, well, that's going to go away as it as it has probably with Cam Newton now as they get older. And I think it's understated how good Deshaun Watson has been as a passer in this league and what he's done in fantasy with still relatively low pass volume. So I, this is probably just a difference between I'm much more sold that five years from now Deshaun Watson is going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL than I am Lamar Jackson. No, I get that. Um, I, I think Deshaun Watson is an elite passer who also gives you value as a running quarterback right now. Part one is if Lamar Jackson has another outstanding year in 2020, I'm wondering if you change your tune on that and you might say, okay, Lamar Jackson can be 
a really good quarterback for fantasy long term. I it will depend if he if it's it won't be a repeat of last year. But if it is, let's as, say it's ninety percent of last. Year. If it's got to do it through the air though, right? He's got to do more. What if he, the but air. what if he doesn't? What if he still continues to just be dominant? I won't believe that he can run like that for more than three or four years. But if you have that, that's still pretty darn good. And and I think that three or four more years is kind of where we're looking out on Watson. I know what you're saying that he could he could be better longer than that. But I, I think another year could really prove something. Ben, what's up? Yeah, I mean, I, I was just going to say, if you have those concerns with Jackson, then neither Watson or Jackson can be second round values. I mean, that that would be the way that I would read that. I don't think it means that they both can be and have Watson ahead of Jackson. I think taking that stance that Watson can be ahead of Jackson's fine. But then what you're saying is at this very replaceable position, they're not like Mahomes. Mahomes would be the exception that we think he's going to be elite and elite for a long time. And these guys, there's less concern. I mean, I, I know, Heath, you're very high on Watson. You feel very confident in his ability on the road, but... Just even even just saying that Mahomes is still going to be in the league and, and Watson will at, almost at best be the second best quarterback um, just seems seems tough to take him ahead of like DJ Moore for instance. I'm going to go around the table. Always comes back to DJ Moore. Well, I was I, I was going to I I was going to ask you guys who you would rather have long term in dynasty between Watson and Moore because you do have Watson ahead of Moore in the trade chart. But I'm going to change the question: Watson or Lamar Jackson versus Calvin Ridley and Ridley, another young wide receiver who has some great potential right now. He hasn't, yeah, he has, doesn't have a thousand yard season yet, but we see that he can be a good player. Just real quick, one word answer going around the room. I'm going to start with Ben Gretsch. Who would you rather have one of those quarterbacks or Calvin Ridley in dynasty? Ridley. Ridley as well. I've got both quarterbacks ahead of Ridley. And I, I think, I think having Ridley at like 28th amongst players in the top 150 is probably higher than consensus. So I, I like Ridley a lot. Uh, okay. Okay. And I do too. Um, another quarterback with an interesting ranking, and we'll go quick on this, is Russell Wilson, 31 years old. You've got him as a ninth-round pick, 107th overall. That's below Josh Allen, but above Carson Wentz. Allen's 24, Wentz is 27, and right below what you would deem fair for a 2020 rookie late second-round pick. How many more years do you see Russ doing what he's doing? And and there's already some thought that he could get better in 2020. Yeah. For fantasy, I, for fantasy I'm talking. The production could go up. I am very uncomfortable with ranking Russell Wilson anywhere. There's not a place where I could rank him where I would feel comfortable because of the situation. Like, he wants to play faster and throw the ball more. He has an offensive coordinator and a head coach that maybe they will do that a little bit, but he's also like a quarterback for the most part it's looked like with Brady and Breeze we don't have to worry about age at 31 years old I don't know that I totally buy into that especially when Wilson has been a guy who's generally ran for three or four hundred yards that guy doesn't generally age quite as well as the others so I I'm not going to defend where I have Russell Wilson ranked I had him at four in January mm -hmm. I've got him at seven I think at quarterback now there's there's really no telling where he'll be next month. Do you have the full quarterback rankings in front of you for Dynasty? I do. Can you run through the top seven for me, please, Heath? Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson. Okay. I like you know, I, I, I'm i sorry, Ben, what's up? I, I just said I, I like those ranks. Those are, those are solid. I like having Murray, being that aggressive on Murray because it is a replaceable position, and, and I think you shoot for upside if you're going to take a quarterback reasonably high. 
how about this as a as a dynasty draft strategy? Let's just say you 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 heard us talking about Mahomes going in round one, and you think that we're cuckoo for it. You've got Jared Goff 132nd, Matt Ryan 161st. Like they are just way off the radar, and I get why. They're not necessarily popular fantasy quarterbacks. But what about the idea of waiting to draft a quarterback in your dynasty league? And then you go into your rookie draft and you go get Burrow or Tua Tagovailoa or even wait till 2021 to get Trevor Lawrence. Schrager, you're, you're giving me a look like that sounds good. I like it. I mean, I like the idea of Trevor Lawrence even more than Burrow if you have to spend a top four pick this year on Burrow because I really like the running back and wide receiver talent in this year's class. Mm-hmm. If you could get Burrow, though, with the fifth or sixth overall pick in a rookie draft, I think that's an awesome strategy. Pair him with a Matt Ryan in like ninth, 10th, 11th round. That would be awesome. And I generally, like in a one quarterback league, am probably not going to have a quarterback in my top 10 picks generally. So unless it's Mahomes, and well, no, I mean in a rookie, in draft? A rookie draft. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. Like I'm probably so, there are going to be five receivers and four or five running backs that I want more than Joe Burrow this year. Yeah, I, I think Burrow could make my top ten this year. So I was that, like that way last year, but I think he could be one of those quarterbacks that could be. I'm not going to put him on the echelon of Mahomes, where you're going to have him in your lineup forever. But I think that he's got some potential. Gretch, you agreeing with me on that one? Uh, I I was more interested in Heath's comment because I I kind of want to drill down on that like like when you asked me the Ridley or um, the two quarterbacks question I was thinking who would I draft in a rookie draft and who do I think I can get more trade value out of and I I think in one QB leagues especially twelve team leagues that don't have crazy settings that that limit things you wind up with more than enough good quarterbacks that it's 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 actually hard to trade quarterbacks if you have multiple good quarterbacks like if you go into a startup I would never QB hoard in a startup even if they're falling a ton, because um, you'll, you'll actually have a hard time trading them and getting full value because pretty much everyone is okay with what they have. Uh, even if it's like Ryan Fitzpatrick for one year and then grabbing Ryan Tannehill the next year, people seem to be able to make do at quarterback and they would rather trade for for some uh, guy like Ryan Tannehill or, or, or Ryan Fitzpatrick or, or some one-year plug-in with a late-round pick than, than trade for the what probably should be the value for a guy like Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson, but but really their their true value seems to be less. I just don't see those guys get moved a lot. So I think I, that's kind of interesting what you said about not wanting to take a quarterback in the first ten rounds. Yeah, I I wonder like that sounded what you were talking about very very true from my experience, but also like it's very very much what exists inside our bubble. Like I I Maybe. think I think that the I don't believe there are a lot of dynasty players that are outside. And there are, again, there aren't a lot of dynasty players that are outside of the industry. So maybe, maybe that doesn't really matter too much. But I think in most non analyst leagues, just like in redraft, quarterbacks have a lot more value. And there are very few owners in those leagues that are fine with having Ryan Fitzpatrick as their starting quarterback and just not being willing to trade for a quarterback. But going back to like the rookie quarterbacks versus having Mahomes in the top 10 picks. I, the rookie quarterback's probably going to be bad next year. Almost always the rookie quarterback is bad. When you say bad, do you mean just not startable? Not somebody, like, occasionally it's that they're a low-end starter, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, but probably not someone you want to start this sure. year. I, that's fine. Um, and so then what's their value going into their second year? I think in a dynasty league, people will hold because they expect it to be like, in like Kyler rookie Murray year, right now, like and no right. one, sure, are people like, but no one's going to get Kyler Murray in, on the cheap in their dynasty league. But is what no, about Dwayne last Haskins? Year maybe yes, Haskins you can get on the cheap in a for dynasty almost nothing, league. right? Sure. Um, 
so I I don't I I think there's a big difference between like for me Mahomes Watson and Jackson and number one rookie pick at quarterback, mm-hmm. which I totally get. All right, let's move to running backs, and we're not going to be able to get into like crazy deep on the running backs, but there are two guys that I think are interesting for dynasty purposes, and obviously they're going to have impact in, in seasonal fantasy as well. David Montgomery did not have the year that I, I thought we all really believed. Well, maybe not really believed, but certainly could have had. Uh, he's RB19 for you, Heath. Got him as a sixth-round pick in a startup. 23 years old, and the Bears are saying that he can be a featured back. They, they're they going to – it sounds like they're going to stick with him and not try and – yeah, they haven't soured on him like maybe some fantasy managers might have. Yeah, and I haven't totally soured on him. Um, it's obviously not good to have one year gone from your career as a running back and feel worse about you. I think I had him around running back 14 earlier, so he has definitely fallen for me a little bit, but he's still a 23-year-old running back that has a decent shot of being a feature back. I still think, like, I do have Singletary ahead of him now, and I don't really feel good about it because I believe Montgomery has a better chance of being a 300-touch back over a two- or three-year stretch than Singletary does. Mm -hmm. But what happened in the rookie year does matter, and Singletary looked a lot better. You've got him below James Conner. You've got him above Darius Geis. I guess that makes sense. I mean, I'm I'm still a little nervous about James Conner's long-term view because of all the injuries that he's taken on, and it won't take much for the Steelers to move on from him if they so choose. And we can say the same thing about the Bears, but it sounds like they're committed to him. Uh, would you rather have you, – you, you've got him between rookie pick 1.06 and 1.07. Would you rather have one of those rookie wide receivers, maybe your third favorite rookie wide receiver? And I, I'm I, for me right now, it's Henry Ruggs. Would you rather have Ruggs? who does have some pretty good potential, man. He could end up being a really good player in this league, or would you rather have Montgomery? That's probably close enough for me that it would depend on my roster construction and where I'm at in the process. And that really matters in Dynasty when you're talking trade. If I was rebuilding, then I'd probably rather have the wide receiver. Um, But but if if I'm trying to win in the next year or two, I'd probably rather have Montgomery. There's a really interesting point here, and I know we're going position by position, but I I really want to talk a little bit about uh, where Heath values the rookie picks as well, because I think the story of where he has David Montgomery is that you don't lose value on rookie picks. David Montgomery did go down a little bit, but if he's still a six-round startup value after the rookie year he just had and the way that the Chicago Bears offense looks so much less Uh, we should be so much less optimistic about it than we were this time last year because Trubisky looks like he's not going to be the guy and we just don't really know what's going to happen. But yet, Dave Montgomery didn't really lose value. If you drafted him last year, you even though you didn't get much production in year one, and that sucks, you could still trade him and start over with a new rookie pick. And then the advantage to going after those rookie picks is there is so much upside at the top of rookie drafts, which is something I grabbed some some data on and would love to get into in in a few minutes. But the, you have the potential to get the Zeke or the Saquon Barkley. All those guys came from the from the upper parts of rookie drafts. So it is really interesting to me. David Montgomery, I don't think he could have had much worse of a year with, while seeing the, the volume he had, and we're still valuing him in the sixth round. So I, like the truth is, like these guys, they don't lose value. Like, right. Well, I, do th- I do think like the thing that would have made the year worse for him is if he would have had that type of efficiency – with 120 carries and 15 targets. Like the fact that he earned that type of volume is a plus in and of itself. Okay. I, I think of Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift. 
I think of Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, and Henry Ruggs, and those are just six rookies that are coming into the league. And I think I'm taking all six of them ahead of David Montgomery right now. Perfect. And so now I'm starting to think about, well, who would, the, who would that seventh rookie be? Would it be like, like if Clyde edwards Elaire ends up in a great spot or Zach Moss is someone that we've talked about. Joe Burrow could be that guy. If I can turn Montgomery into that and I really like those players, I'm going to do it. And I've got Montgomery in our dynasty league. And I would bet that I could not get a first round pick for him in our league. Not that I'm necessarily going to try, but I would think about it depending on how the rest of these rookies shake out. I'm going to see what first-round pick I have in that league to make you an offer. I, and I've already got three, and I love this class, and I think it's really deep, so I think that there's oh, potential there. Definitely trade David Montgomery for a new first-round pick in the 2020 draft. I would That's do that what, every day I, of the week. I am thinking that Montgomery could be just a tad high, but there is potential for him to come back and have a smash hit second year, help save Matt Nagy's job in Chicago, and help the Bears go back to being potentially a playoff but what, team. But what potential you, do you think – because we're we're playing in probabilities with all this. What potential do you think is there for that? And I think that's a really oh, key point because what sure. we learned in year one isn't promising that David Montgomery is like an Ezekiel Elliott or Alvin no. Kamara or or any of those types of player. Like it, it it's not promising. It, it, I think there's a very small potential that David Montgomery suddenly becomes a superstar, like elite superstar. There's probably a, a higher likelihood that he becomes a role player than an elite superstar. I think that goes and without that, saying. Those first round picks, though, and this is the data I just want to mention because I threw it out there. Like last year, a lot of people said Josh Jacobs being the one on one wasn't probably the most valuable one on one we've had in a in, in few years. We didn't Agreed. have elite prospects. But 2018, everyone loved Saquon. He has been what he was supposed to be. There wasn't uh, another really great hit in that class. Uh, Nick Chubb was a good one, but you know there were a lot of busts. Rashad Penny. Sony Michelle, Ronald Jones, they all went in the first round. But 2017, you have Fournette and McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook were the top backs and Joe Mixon. All of them still have top 24 fan, uh, dynasty value. You In 2016, it was Zeke 101 for sure. And the only one who could challenge him was Derrick Henry. In 2015, it was Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley. Those guys had, were elite RB1s for multiple seasons. So for me, the 101, the 102, the 103, especially in a class like 2020 where people are talking about these prospects as being on the Melvin Gordon scale, on Melvin Gordon was an elite prospect, on the Ezekiel Elliott scale, on the Saquon Barkley scale, especially Jonathan Taylor, who people are talking about potentially going to absolutely crush the combine. And we'll find that out very, very soon here. But those those picks, they're going to have value down the road and they have the potential to be top five future, like next offseason. We're talking about Jonathan Taylor as a top five overall dynasty player. But, and I don't think David Montgomery has anything close to that potential. But no one's arguing you shouldn't trade 1.2, 1.1, 1.3 for Montgomery. We're talking about like 1.7, 1.8, 1.9. And and there were like there were definitely people last year that were taking probably half of the first round from last year. Is What's Nikhil Harry's value now compared to where it was? Yeah, that's a yeah, guy you could good. definitely get on the Because he was, he was the first. But I don't think you can get him pick. too cheap because I think the people that drafted Nikhil Harry, I'm sure a lot of them reached for him and took him a lot sooner than maybe you and I would have felt comfortable taking he him. He was a top two or three pick in, in Dynasty League. He was in, in our Dynasty League, he was. And it stunned uh, me. I thought he was worth a first, what, but not that high up. What did, like, Daryl Henderson's value is not better. No, his value is worse. It's, and it's I think definitive. you could probably get him. Yeah, but no Harris one's going to give up anything. Damian Harris? Those guys were late first, early second round picks. But that's, but that's right. But that's that's more what we're arguing Montgomery against than those top three picks that you were talking about. Is what I'm saying. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm not saying you should definitely. If you can get a top five pick for Montgomery, you should take it. A top six pick. I think I have six ahead of Montgomery. You right? do. 
I, this back half of the first round is. I know this is a deep class, and as we get closer to the draft, I might change my That's mind. That's what I'm thinking. But it's is that still once a pretty you realize, big crapshoot. Once you realize how many high upside rookies there are in this class, you'll start to either adjust Montgomery and guys like Montgomery down, or you'll adjust the value of those draft picks and you'll move them up. Uh, let's move to wide receivers. Two guys that are that are a little old, and they're ranked interestingly. You've got who? And by the way, by the way, if you want to see these rankings, you can go to Heath's Twitter feed. It's on there. You can go to CBSSports.com. You can find the link there. There's a whole bunch of dynasty stuff on there now. I'm really proud of what we've done because we haven't really delved this deep into dynasty before. You can also Google Heath Dynasty 2020, and it'll be the first link that comes up on Google. Or just Dynasty Fantasy Football. And really, and that'll be the first thing that comes up. Awesome. A lot of ways that you can go and find this list and see what the values are long term, whether you're just starting in a dynasty league or you've been playing. We we also and this is this is a lot of stuff you've done. We also have a link now on the right side of the fantasy football page that is just all of our dynasty content and mm-hmm. also includes all the prospect pri- profiles we're doing for the excellent rookies and all the f- profiles you've done. We are we are definitely going deep on rookies this year. We know you guys love it and we want to be able to get you as informed as possible. And we'll do that on the podcast too. We have a lot of great stuff coming down the line. But Julio Jones is thirty years old. He will be 31 at the start of next year. Keenan Allen, we've already talked about it this week, is 28 years old. We know that those guys aren't going to be playing forever. And you've got them ranked a little lower than I thought people – ranked lower than I think I would have them ranked. Julio Jones is at 56. Keenan Allen at 68. They're behind Christian Kirk. They're behind James Conner, DJ Chark, way behind Darren Waller, which, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I could do that. right. right. I, I love Darren Waller. I don't know if Darren Waller can keep doing what he's doing for the next four or five years. They can't. So I'm I'm wondering where you came to this conclusion on Julio and Keenan Allen, and if you consider them maybe two of the best bargains to trade for if you're trying to win now in Dynasty. I, w- I think it's probably the other way because most of the feedback that I've received is you have Keenan Allen and Julio too low. So I would view them more as if you have these guys on your roster, I'd probably be trying to deal them. The history for elite wide receivers, and there are exceptions. I mean, Jerry Rice had a Hall of Fame career after he turned 30. Larry Fitzgerald has had amazing years after he turned 30. The history for elite wide receivers after 30 or 31 is not very promising. That I feel better about Julio, even though he's three years older, because I think in 2020, he's probably going to be a top five or six wide receiver. And that has huge value just in if you're getting a top 12 guy for one or two years. Keenan Allen... I could feel better about it if I knew what his situation was going to be. But it, but, but if, you know elements of the situation, right? I you know that know. he's going to be in who's his role. The offense isn't changing. That's the thing. Who's right. throwing him the football? Who's throwing him the football? And so, yeah, I, I they are difficult players to value. They're impossible players to put on a trade chart as a universal rule mm-hmm. because these players are very valuable to one of the top two or three teams in the league and have almost no value at all to a team that's not going to be competitive in the next two years like if you're rebuilding there is no amount you should really trade for julio jones because he's probably not going to be good in three years you've got darren waller's 27 like i think dave picked Mm -hmm. out a pretty clear one that we could say heath you're wrong on this one darren waller's 27 he has one good year He's one year younger than Keenan Allen, who has an entire good career, and Julio Jones, who has a, a you know a couple years younger than Julio Jones, who has a whole good career. A half a decade younger than Julio Jones. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. we're talking about one good season for a 27-year-old. I'm not buying that. 
Okay, and and this is this is one that I think I do agree with you on. AJ Brown had the great year last year for Tennessee, and we're all very excited about him. And there's good reason for it. He's 23 years old. You've got him at 44. So AJ Brown at 44, Julio Jones. At oh, Ben 56, thinks that's way too low. Keenan Allen at 68. Ben oh, thinks yeah. that AJ Brown is way too low at 44. AJ Brown is below McLaurin, below Cooper Cup. Those uh, C- Cooper Cup's 27. McLaurin's a young stud. Uh, he's above Kenny Galladay, and he's he's after rookie pick 1.05. I, I think that this is one where I would commend you and say you nailed it. A.J. Brown is a fourth-round pick in a dynasty startup. I think people will certainly chase that number that he had last year and expect more from it, especially if Tennessee starts to get their quarterback situation improved. You told me when I was going through this process, um, for, reference something about leaning on public perception. It's huge. Right. I, don't, I didn't really do that because this is – my approximation of the value of the players. Mm-hmm. If I was trying to do that, I would be too low on AJ Brown, and Ben's going to tell me I'm too low on AJ Brown. Um, I think maybe as an overall thing, not necessarily as a wide receiver thing, wide receiver 14 seems pretty fair. Um, there's immense upside. It's also that we saw this over like, what, 90 targets, and he's on a team with a questionable quarterback situation. That is probably not going to throw the ball very much at the very least for the next two years. They're not changing philosophies after one bad year next year. Right. They're probably not going to have a bad year next year. They're probably they'll be a competitive team next year. So he's probably in a low volume pass offense for at least the next two years. Yeah, he, he and he did just kind of overcome that this year. But I agree. But that's another reason why I would actually like him more in dynasty than in. In redraft, I think in redraft, the hesitation for what his price might end up being, I've seen him go in the second round, which is probably too high, is warranted because we don't really know if they're going to throw enough in 2020. But in Dynasty, I have no doubts in my mind that this guy's going to be an elite receiver the rest of his season. I mean, like, you know, as, as few doubts as you can have because I don't just look at those 90 targets. I'm looking at his entire collegiate career and the, and the massively impressive uh, age-adjusted production, how much more dominantly productive he was in DK Metcalf in the same offense in college. This guy hits all the boxes that predict future success, and then he did it as a rookie, as a young rookie at the NFL level. That's why I was all over DJ Moore last offseason, was taking him in every one of our mocks. I was saying this guy is is undervalued. Like we should be giving him a longer leash than just what he did in his rookie season because he did it in college as well. And we saw that that come out in in year two for him, and his value is going to continue to rise. If anything, I think AJ Brown should should be higher because we can project him that like as that good of a player long term already, and you get more seasons out of that. Like the fact that we know that so soon, it's almost like the Patrick Mahomes question. Uh, He's very, very low bust risk at this point based on everything he did in college and then did as a rookie. But if you took him in the second or third round, the most likely third third round of first 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 round of dynasty. Yeah, he's probably going to be a disappointment for what you paid for him in year one. Like he's not going to be a top 12 wide receiver. Yeah, Um, I so like it's a very low bust risk, but you're accepting the fact that you're paying more than he's going to produce for at least next year, and I would argue two years, because I think their success they had last year means they're probably sticking with the same system for the next two years. So, like, yes, he does have... He's very, very good, and he does have a great long-term outlook. But I think, like, if you're taking A.J. Brown in the first round of your dynasty startup, 
you're accepting the fact that you are probably not playing for the 2020 championship. Not at all true. Yeah, I, I, I think it is because you are already, after the first round, behind the p- people that took better players you, in the first round. You guys just made a great point a little bit ago that you can get cheap veteran production late. And, you know, I referenced a little bit ago that I took Amari Cooper at, like, after I think his rookie year. Um, it was, you know, after his second year. And it was right before he had a really, really down third season. I took him second overall, and I played in the championship in year one in that league because I did get the the cheap veteran production later. You can find that stuff, but you're building blocks on your team. The, the elite number, first, second, third, fourth round picks, should be young guys that will retain value. I think there's no question about that. All right, I, I want to get to our questions that we got, our dynasty mailbag, as it were. But I would like to ask each of you, and you can think about it for a minute. We'll answer a couple questions first. Who your favorite dynasty sleeper is? So if you're in a draft, a guy that you can look for late in the draft that could be a guy that ends up helping you out and gets you great value later on. But let's start with the mailbag. This is one, an Apple Pod review question. Thank you for leaving us the five-star review on Apple. The top players on my dynasty roster are Deshaun Watson, Jameis Winston, Zeke Elliott, Amari Cooper, and Terry McLaurin. And I have picks 101, 112, 211, and 212 in a rookie draft. What positions would you target with those four picks, knowing the players that, that uh, this guy had? He doesn't leave a name. We'll call him Ross from London. Ross from London? 101 is going to be a running back. I would think so. I think there's got to be a priority on running back here because you only have the one. I don't think you have to worry about quarterback because you've got Deshaun Watson and you got Winston for whatever that ends up being. It would be helpful. Um, and this is just a good time to say this. When you send in dynasty or redraft questions, give us a little more information about the league. Because sure. if it's a super flex league, that changes things. If if how many running backs you need to start would change things. Like I'm in an auction right now. You only have to start one running back. But yeah, I would say pr- like it's going to be a running back and it's probably I won't say who I think it is yet. But it's a running back. And then Taylor Swift, Dobbins, one of those. I'm probably going to lean wide receiver after that. And there will be a lot of good ones right in that turn of one, two. The the uh, the the Ragers and uh, Chenault. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but he's going to end up being good. There's going to be a lot of Justin Jefferson could be one. I I like that. Let's go to Twitter from uh, from D.A. Superflex PPR. This is a trade, Heath. Here we go. Get your trade chart ready. You're giving up 1.05, and you're getting 1.09, 3.09, and A.J. Green. What do you think? Who who wins that deal, Heath? This is a great question. Good job, Ben Schrager, choosing this one to illustrate a point that I made in the article about the trade chart. If it is a two-for-one or a three-for-one deal, you cannot accept an even deal. Like the trade chart would tell you 1.9 plus 3.9 plus AJ Green is worth worth more than 1.5. Just barely. I would rather have 1.5. Knowing that you're getting one of the five guys that we talked about earlier. Um, but if you're trying to win now and you're only moving back four spots, couldn't couldn't but, DA just take a list of, of the rookies that are available and, and make a top 10 list and know that he would get he's guaranteed to get one of them? whether he picks at 105 or 109, if there's a difference between the talent that's there, Schrager, what do you think? I think the hit rate at 105 is going to be a lot better than the hit rate at 109, especially we have such a deep class. We don't know which of the deeper guys are going to hit, whereas the top six guys, in my opinion, are going to hit at a much higher rate 
So I would rather have the 1.05 than the 1.09. From Josh McMillan, tight end premium Whoa. league. I think Gretch disagrees. I, I, I just I have to disagree. I just I, I and I also <laughs> have to make a point that AJ Green is the same age as Julio Jones. He had one injury riddled season, and you're now valuing him that low that you won't even trade him to move back or get him to move back four spots from 105 to 109, and you're getting a 309 with it. Like that to me, like we're, we were just talking about veteran value and, and whether or not it disappears. That is the perfect encapsulation after one injury marred season. And he has had some other injury problems, but yeah, that, he was elite com- a couple years ago. Elite, he, a first round uh, redraft pick just maybe two or three years ago, right on par with Julio Jones. He is and now we're not even we're not even giving him any dynasty value at all. Okay, that was a complete misrepresentation of A.J. Green. He is a year older than Julio Jones. He's going to turn 32 in, a, in about a month. Two months, maybe. Um, both 31 right now. I just looked it up quick, but yeah. Um, okay. He missed seven games in the 2018 season. He missed six games in the 2016 season. He has had one elite season since 2015. But I think you could still squeeze out one more good year from but A.J. Green. I, I think I, I could understand. kind of expecting that. I could understand saying that you'd rather have the A.J. Green side. The trade chart says the A.J. Green right, side. Right, which is better. why I actually I agree with the chart on this one. I think you're getting but he's missed a decent amount just to move back four a spots. A lot of time in the last four years. My I mean, point I, was that he was a redraft first-round pick just two or three years ago. Like, at least in the 1-2 borderline, definitely at least a second round redraft pick two seasons ago, like not long ago. We can we can say he's had injury problems and look back at it, but that's what his value was two years ago. All right, I'm going to keep going with the tweets. This is from Josh McMillan, tight end premium league. He's trading away Saquon, and he's going to give up Gerald Everett with it. He's going to get James Conner, Tyler Lockett, Darren Waller, and the 1.11 pick in the 2020 draft. So the 11th pick in the first round. Correct. Okay. And his running backs, because he's giving away Saquon in the steal, he's still going to have Gordon, Carson, David Johnson, Jordan Howard. I, I got a hard time pulling off this deal. I have a hard time get, with that being what I'm getting in return for Saquon. I don't think it's enough. I, Yeah, I, I can understand thinking that. Again, it's a lot of players for basically one player. Um, I don't think Gerald Everett really has much impact on the deal one way or the other. But... Um, I'd probably take the Connor side, but I think I like Connor more than anybody else. I think you like Connor and Waller a little bit more than than, and than Lock, I like, would. You're you've got three starters and a first round rookie pick. I mean, you might you might have three starters this year. I don't know if you're gonna have. I don't know if Connor's gonna be a starter in 2021. I don't. I can't say with 100 percent certainty that Waller would be. I feel a little bit better about Waller than I do Connor being a starter in 2021. And I do think that Tyler Lockett is definitely good value. Moving on from at Luke Jett, give Kenyon Drake and Julio Jones. Here we go with another Julio Jones discussion for James White, Will Fuller, Nikhil Harry, John Brown, and 1.13. All right. So we've now, this is going to be the third trade that we're going to look at where someone's giving up uh, a pretty nice piece, a nice player. And they're getting like a bunch of like smaller chips as it were in exchange for the one like they're breaking up a key player in this case julio i know that we're devaluing him a little bit but him and drake i think that there's some potential for both those guys to be good key players in fantasy you're breaking it up into smaller pieces Heath, who are, are the is the white fuller harry brown and 1.13 ahead of julio jones and Kenyon drake here it is not for me me neither 
It's like Julio Jones, as old as he is, could outlast Will Fuller based on Will Fuller's injury history. I don't care how young Will Fuller is. They both may have three more years in the league. So I don't care about that part. And I think Kenyon Drake is much better than any of the other players in the deal. Gretch. I think it's close. I'll, I'll take the young guys. I, I would look for more than that for Drake and Julio. I don't think that's quite enough. Uh, from Soccer Onion. That's kind of funny. Superflex, half PPR. Team A, Drake, Haskins, Deontay Johnson, 1.11, 3.03. So third pick in round three, second to last pick in round 11. In exchange for the third overall pick, Malcolm Brown and Justice Hill. Uh, oh, oh, that's sorry. That's all one side of a deal. I thought you were saying 103 for Malcolm Brown and Justice Hill. No, no, no. It's it's basically 103, <laughs> and you get the throw-in of Malcolm Brown and Justice Hill and whatever they end up being in exchange for the package of Kenyon Drake, Deontay Johnson, Dwayne Haskins, and uh, 111, along with a third-rounder, an early third-rounder. Would anybody would like to say whether... Yeah, okay. So Ben likes the 103. I'll take the 103 as well. I think I'm probably going to take the Haskins side, but it's that's a I think that's a really that's a close trade. It's in Superflex. I think I'm taking the the Drake Johnson Haskins side as well. I I don't love it, but I think I'm taking it because I do still see upside in Deontay Johnson and Drake. And look, for what it's worth, you still have a first round pick. It's just way later in the round. There's still going to be somebody good there. From Eric, this is the last one. Eric EGB. 1822. That's his Twitter handle. There's an underscore in there in case you want to follow him. He's in a PPR Dynasty League. Would you trade Dak Prescott and A.J. Brown for Deshaun Watson and Mike Williams? (laughs) There's no way Ben would. Dak and A.J. Brown, to me, is ahead of Deshaun Watson and Mike Williams, but I have a feeling that, Heath, you're going to say that the Watson side's ahead because of where you've got Watson back. I would take Watson and Williams. I'll take Dak and A.J. Brown. All right. Three against one there, Eric. Hopefully you can make a good call. That's going to do it. That's the start of what we're talking about for Dynasty and Fantasy Football. We'll get to other Dynasty shows as the offseason rolls what on. What a fun show. I think that I, I think it's it, it's fascinating how it works that we get to kind of get this peek into Heath's brain. Oh yeah, I really enjoyed it. Hey, oh God. yeah, I, that, I think you defended yourself. I, just that's why fine. I have the headache because you guys were in my brain. Oh, I'm sorry that you've got a headache, but you know what? It, <laughs> Dynasty leagues are fun and they're gaining popularity, and I totally get it. It just it's the passion of fantasy football, right? You want to feel even more connected to these players, and you want to be able to say, "I took AJ Brown back when no one else knew who he was, and now I would take him." With like the first pick overall in a dynasty draft, I think that's what Ben Gretsch would do. We are going to talk about the XFL on our show tomorrow with RJ White, who's 11 and one picking against the spread in the XFL. It's basically like he's choosing what's going to happen in the XFL. Lots of DFS talk to get you ready for XFL action this weekend. So let's wrap it up. Ben Gretsch, Ben Schrager, Heath Cummings, Deb Deal, Andrew Bomber, everybody working on the Fantasy Football Today podcast. On behalf of them, I'm Dave Richard. Thanks for coming out. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 